Alright, it says we're live. But until I see it in the little preview on Twitch, I'm not gonna believe it. We've had that problem before, where we've, where we've lost like five minutes of the intro. <laughs> because it oh, wasn't. really? Yeah. We have, really? Yeah. Was <laughs> me, that? me and John have done that. Oh, like where, last week? Where we were, yeah, we were just talking, and it's like, no, we can't hear anything. There's just like a still image. <laughs> yeah, we are live. I'm getting confirmation. Yeah, it looks like it. Well, this is the first time I've done one live. Very exciting. It is exciting. I got butterflies in my stomach every time we go live. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> the magic hasn't died down yet. I'm not really sure you're, how you're to... not the old couple that the fire is gone. It's not gone yet. No. Oh, that's good. Is it, is it magic or is it just like don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up? Oh, I'm used to fucking up, so it's not the former. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, I don't really know how to intro this at all. We don't have an intro topic or anything. This is great. Glad, glad I put you in charge. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> See, I already fucked it up. I already ruined everything. Welcome, everybody, to the Top Down Perspective. Joining us this week, John is gone because he got his wisdom removed from his head. So, accurate. Al- accurate. Alan Schumacher from BioWare is joining us to talk some video game nonsense. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, sir? And even though he lives in the dirt hole that is Edmonton, we'll try not to hold that oh, against him. Oh, shit. Like I'm talking to Calgary people or something like that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It <laughs> already starts. Shots fired, shots fired. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I don't even live in Calgary anymore, so. <laughs> I do. There you go. It's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> I look at Calgary and I'm like, you remind me a lot of Edmonton. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it all... It's all Canada. <laughs> it's all the same in the end. Um, Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? All right, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I work for BioWare. I'm in quality assurance. I started in 2009, what originally just as a, what they call a quality assurance analyst for kind of back-end systems. So I didn't actually test the game so much. I more worked on testing the tools and making sure that people who are making the game content uh, didn't have any issues with any of the tools or pipelines that they use in order to deploy content. Uh, so I started right at the end of Dragon Age Origin, went through Dragon Age 2, did Dragon Age Inquisition, and once that was uh, shipped, then I transitioned over, I'm on to now Mass Effect Andromeda, and in that one, uh, the, I was like some fancy title, it's like Estet, I mean, a software developer engineering and testers is, is i think what it stands for but basically i'm a qa programmer now so i'm i'm doing more programming related tasks you know for things like helping out with you know automated testing or making it so that you know improving the workflow of qa as well as developers so that they're able to do their work more efficiently i've heard like horror stories about testing it it's probably not as bad as it maybe once was. I think it varies studio by studio. I've heard horror stories too. In fact, I was expecting horror stories when I started. Sure. Uh, I because I have a comp sci uh, background and you know no new programming and stuff like that. They actually were like, when I got hired just as a contract worker, they weren't just okay. Well, we're just going to sit you in front and play the game. They were like, well, you have you know skills that we can leverage, and we'll get you testing out code and testing out aspects like that, and writing code to help test. So right on day one, I was like, oh, whew, thank goodness, this maybe isn't going to be as much of a nightmare as I think it is. But uh, so in that sense, it was good. I think Bioware in general is pretty respectful towards QA. I've heard some place, you know, 
I don't know really any studio, just like that places where QA can be kind of, you know, in separate buildings even or things like that. But in terms of the amount of privilege and so, you know, I've, I was never hidden from looking at the code if I really wanted to look at it or anything like that. So there was that degree of trust. So it kind of shattered some of that. Uh, just from friends that I've now kind of made through networking, I think it is getting better. But I do think that there's a degree of the uh, that legacy that we're still trying to shed of we're just a bunch of people. You know, you get movies like Grandma's Boy who don't help very much where it's like, yeah, we just sit around and goof off and play video games all day. And it's not that we play video game singular and it's not finished. So but uh, for the most part, I find QA is interesting. Uh, I was expecting to transfer out right away. I was like, I'll go pay my dues and then switch out. But the thing I like about QA is it's basically a whole bunch of it's, it's just problem solving which I uh, I like doing. If you give me you know a job this to solve problems day in and day out, and programming is similar like that, uh, I really enjoy it. So a lot of times you know we found a bug, no one knows how that bug happens, so then it gets put on my plate. Like you know here's the kind of clues for how we can get this, and can you figure out how to reproduce it in a consistent way? And that's sort of to me anyways the the nerd type that I am is challenge accepted, and then I go at it. That sounds like a nightmare to have to look through code to do your QA, though. Like, you know something's wrong, now let's bring up all of the numbers and see which one is off. It's not that bad when you have ways to queue you to the right place. And it's not, mm. yeah, I'm not just, like, looking through the code randomly, but it's the type of thing where uh, an advantage that I have because I understand what it takes to program is that... Uh, I've been able to find bugs and then point right to the line of code that's causing the issue. So you can get like a, it was usually less the code itself, but more like scripting languages and stuff like that, especially in the original Dragon Ages. And, you know, you get a designer or a programmer and I'm like, hey, this, you said this is, you know, as true and it really should be false. And, you know, they just look at it and they're like, oh, hey, whoops. So for them, it's really fast because they don't have to do all the extra investigation and stuff like that. So in that sense, you know, I felt like I was a pretty quick, valuable contributing member of the team. So you have to be careful. You also don't want to go in and be like, yo, programmer, dude, you're totally doing this wrong. <laughs> I'm a guy who's a fresh graduate out of university. You should totally listen to me. I don't. And next thing you know, you realize that you just made a fool out of yourself. So, yeah, but I was, yeah. was going to say, it's almost like a superiority complex or something where you just like see where another programmer oversaw something obvious and you're just like, I'm better than you <laughs> or something. That would be a good way to get a job for sure. I, no, yeah, for sure. That would be making friends. Yeah. Make friends and influence people. No, there's enough of me. I don't know. Maybe it's just my Canadianism of like the, I don't know, imposter syndrome where it's like, do, how am I even here? Surely I'm just a fraud and somehow fluked my way into this. And you like look at a thing and you like examine it for like 20 minutes longer than you need to. Like this is actually a thing, right? Especially when you first get out. I was a big fan of Bioware. So, it, you know, the perfect storm of I live in Edmonton and this big giant AAA studio is also in the same city of me. But I remember being starstruck for probably the first month where you're like walking down the hall and you're like, oh, my God, that's David Gator. I, I I remember talking with him like on the forums and he's the lead writer and oh my god and, oh I recognize that guy oh that there you know there's Ray Muzika and and you just like sit back and you're like is this real I'm not sure what's going on so but after a while you get settled in next thing you know it's hey Ray hey Alan so when Andromeda ships and we find problems people can directly message you right that's oh, yeah. what, what that's what you're saying it is entirely my fault oh god why did I <laughs> All right, fair enough. 
<laughs> and sorry, maybe the call cut out, but you, you sorry, you said Andromeda's release date was no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you catch me pretty early in the morning, my friend. <laughs> that's uh, cool. I'm just excited. I'm just a fan. No, that's good. I am too. It's it's nice. I mean, as much as I love working on Dragon Age, and there's sort of that no, come back. I was always part of you, and now I'm not. But it's also new and exciting to be working on something different. The thing, I, even though I worked on Dragon Age, like I was still able to experience Mass Effect as a fan. Like you know, we'd have studio updates about all the games, and when the Mass Effect stuff would come on, I would like close my eyes and plug my ears and go la 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 because I didn't want to be spoiled. I still wanted to actually play the game. Sure. Uh, as a fan, because working on Dragon Age, you know, none of those games I was able to play as as a fan. I knew all, I saw all the warts, I saw all the bugs that you know we couldn't get, and then they would just jump out at me and be like, "Oh, there's that thing that we wish we could have fixed." And hopefully, nobody notices it. And also, just you know, I remember playing through this level 800 times because there was all sorts of issues. And yeah, trying to do that after release is not, you know, I. Dragon Age Inquisition was actually the first game that I played after release, and it was mostly just a, a function of my role on Dragon Age Inquisition was spending much less time in-game content, so I just didn't know as much of it. Whereas with DAO and DA2, I had spent so much time, there was really nothing new that the game could offer me. So I was like, I remember being given a copy. I was like, hey, thanks for working on it. I was like, thank you. I'll just put this on the counter over here. So, But Mass Effect, no. I'm glad you're a fan. I think it's a, a fun franchise as well. For sure, I so I don't know the answer to this, and I just want to know for my own personal like fulfillment. What's your favorite Bioware series or like single game like that you enjoyed the most? Definitely the one that I enjoyed the most because it's probably my most memorable experience was Knights of the Republic. Okay, so, um, and that one I I think was in part because. I remember sharing this during my interview, and it seemed to impress everybody and wow them as well. Was uh, it was the first game that I decided, like Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, I power game like mad. I was like a paladin with like, eight, I was I got a roll in everything, and 18 and everything, except I didn't care about intellect, so my intellect was 3, and I was like, whatever. Yeah, paladin. I'm with so, you. There we go, there we go. I like I always like the idea of the, the Holy Avenger warrior Yes, type. thank you. You find, somebody else gets it on this podcast, oh my there god. There we go. Yeah, so. I'm gonna fucking cry. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I was big into that, but I power game and I didn't care about role playing and I would save scum like that. But Nice Little Republic was the game where I was like, you know what, maybe I'll try doing an actual like role play my character in a way. And I was like, I'll try to be, you know, a generally a good character, but I let myself would, you know, for the greater good. I'm like, I can do something evil. And then as I became slightly more and more dark side, I started to let myself become more vindictive. And just the nice. timing of it all worked so perfectly that. Uh, the, you know, because there's the mission where, or the, when you get to the fourth planet, Bastila is not with you anymore. So I kind of lost like that guiding mentor. And then I went on to Manon. So I, I was alone from everybody else. And those, you know, when you're down there, there's people trying to kill you. And I just was like, this is bullshit. I'm going to kill all you sons of bitches. Yeah. And I did that. And I came up, you know, my eyes are glowing yellow and, you know, they clearly on that dark path. And then I hit full dark side and it was like perfect timing. I don't know if it could have been any more perfect right when I got onto the hidden planet. And I basically told Basta, like, you should become my apprentice and we should totally go all dark side. And she was like, you know what? I'm in. So I was like, that's pretty perfect timing. And just that whole playthrough it was actually the first time I'd ever done an evil playthrough either. So maybe I was just unleashing my inner monster, which helped make it be memorable. Because a lot of times in Bioware games and in RPGs in general, the evil playthrough tends to be 
deliciously entertaining with some of the dark humor that can go on. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that one was the one that kind of cemented. I was a big fan of Baldur's Gate too, but Knights of the Old Republic, also a big Star Wars fan in general. And I was just like, this was a fantastic Star Wars experience. So that one was the one that I think hooked me for life. Don't you love Dragon Age Origins, though? <laughs> I do like Dragon Age Origins. I'm a fan. That's of one of my favorites. <laughs> all of I could, our games. I could never get into Origins. I love I tried, it. I tried Mass Effect Two is my favorite. Mass Effect Two is like probably my favorite, but Origins is so close. I like Mass Effect Two Origins. I do like Origins has the advantage compared to DA Two and DAI from the standpoint of. It was basically a completed game when I first started working at BioWare. They had just started working on the Xbox and PlayStation versions, but the PC version was pretty much done. And so literally my job for the first two weeks was that kind of idyllic play video games and get paid for it because they're like, okay, our game is really huge and you need to know everything that you can about it. So that way, you know, if, if we say, hey, go do the bug for, or go investigate something in Circle Tower, I know what the heck they're talking about. So yeah, for the first two weeks, eight hours a day pretty much, uh, I went into work, I sat down, and I loaded up pretty much a completed Dragon Age and played that one. So I was, I was able, I guess, to kind of still play that one as a fan. And that was one of the things where I would get in, into the game, and then I would like lean back, and I would like look around the room and be like, oh, yeah, I'm at, I'm at work. I'm getting paid to do this. This is a thing. Sure. So that was uh, that was fun in that regard. And it's uh, I'm, I'm historically a PC gamer, and I think I probably had the most solid PC type of experience as well, and a little bit more legacy going back to Baldur's Gate type times. But you know, like Sean said, there there was mixed things as well. There were people who couldn't get into it. So for better or worse, I know I've I've enjoyed as someone who works on games trying out different things with the different. With DA2 and DAI are all different games from Dragon Age Origins. Like all three games are different from each other, so I like it in that regard. But you know, you get people who are fans of the original and they're like, "Oh, you made changes. I didn't like it." But you get some people, "Oh, you made changes and I do like it." Similar to the Mass Effect, I that as well. I think Mass Effect Two is was a, a huge progression in terms of removing a lot of the clunkiness that came from the earlier Mass Effect combat and yeah, good shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> I'm very persuasive. <laughs> so, since uh, you were saying you're doing like your new project is Andromeda, and you, that's kind of your day to day, how does that? How do you think that's going to affect either positively or negatively the final product when you sit down and just play it as a fan of like the game series? It, it will sadly probably permanently ruin it. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's it's not that it's it's just it gets, it gets played in a different way because not only do do I already have basically every major beat spoiled to me, most likely? But it's mm. just, I also know things that, you know, oh, we wanted to do this, but we couldn't. And, you know, some of the near misses that a lot of fans might not see. You know, they might look at Dragon and Jordan and go, this is super fantastic. And, like, to me, I'd be like, yeah, there's this thing that I can never tell you about because then you'll be like, well, why didn't you ship with that? And I'm like, well, we couldn't. It wasn't working and stuff like that. So, so when I play through a game that I work on, you just end up, like it's hard to forget that those things existed and you can see the things that even if they're well received by fans, you're like, Oh, this thing, you know, could have been so much better, but it ended up not being better. And that's a lot of things that as a fan, you're, you're just oblivious to you and you just, you just see the end product and it's hard to see the end product for as exclusively the end product after you work on something. How often do those, like those extra ideas get like just pushed into DLC? 
sometimes it depends on like the the way the things go. I know people the DLC can be a controversial type of issue for sure. Uh, the one advantage is uh, like a lot of the times you get like 80% of the way done and it's not done on, you know, you aren't able to finish fleshing it out. So then you can ship something, but then afterwards you still have a lot of that work that already exists. And you're like, well, can we actually find a way to still make this work as opposed to let's continue getting something that, uh, you know, is built completely from scratch. And even going back, I mean, DLC to me is just another way of, you know, it's content expansion. And back in the day we had expansion packs and, Mm -hmm. you know, there were uh, the expansion content for uh, the original Baldur's Gate. I think it was, was it's Tales of the Sword Coast is what it was called. And, you know, a lot of that stuff was stuff that wanted to make its way into the main game, but they're just like, Oh, you know, we're running out of time or we can't do this thing the way that as well as we want. So it's just an opportunity to, take some of those ideas that you wanted to originally get in and and see if you can now flesh them out in, in the future product. Because, I mean, I, ideally, we'd all love to get in as much. If we can get in the entire world times 20, we would. And games are basically the reality of, okay, here's everything that we want to do. Okay, well, we can't do that. So let's find what slice we we want to do. And sometimes you get yeah experiments that just don't work or you'll get characters that started to get written, but you realize that they're not going to be able to get done in time. So those are the types of things that, you know, you can look at and go, hey, is this something that we can do post-launch? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, I mean, we'll continue on with the podcast here. I'm thinking we don't have a whole lot of questions like we usually do. We don't have like 10 pages worth of weird shit to go through. So if people have interesting questions or whatever they want to ask to you directly, Alan, maybe just tweet uh, TDP podcast. And when we get to that point, uh, like make it specific. This is for Alan or whatever. I'll grab some of them. Uh, Nothing to do with like, the in size of his job or nothing to do with Mass Effect, like, <laughs> production, obviously. But if you want to know anything, we'll do that. But for right now, I want to know, what have you been playing this week, Alan? Uh, so this week, uh, you, I think you mentioned it on Twitter. You were noticing it, but um, it was in a cyberpunk kick. Uh, Shadowrun uh, Hong Kong yeah. was the big thing that I was playing. And then once I finished that up, the I, I was still feeling the the cyberpunk lust, and was uh, I ended up uh, getting into Invisible Ink as well, which a little bit less overt com uh, combaty, but a lot, still having that you know interesting setting in a more stealth type environment. And I guess also turn based strategy, they actually probably play relatively similar. But uh, I really enjoyed Hong Kong, though. I was a big fan of the first two, and this one was just sort of we're going to keep being awesome. Yeah, you were saying you didn't have a whole lot of experience with like the pen and paper aspect. So, do you think that for Shadowrun? Because like I've been trying to get into the pen and paper type deal for that, and it is so overly complicated. Do you think video games might be the best way to kind of get the basic idea of like that whole game and systems down? Uh, possibly. I mean, I can't speak for the pen and paper aside from hearing that. Yeah, it's very complicated. Uh, I mean, one thing, I, I don't play much pen and paper, but I do play a lot of RPGs, on, and the nice thing about them is they take care of a lot of the rule deliberation and all of that. So, you know, how, do, how exactly does the system work? How does this combat resolve? Uh, you know, I, I'm not out having to go, okay, do I need to roll 3d6 for this, or is it 2d6? I can't remember, because the, the game takes care of a lot of that. So, in terms of mechanics, 
can be overwhelming uh, if you're just jumping into something brand new, I think. But uh, you're no matter what, you know, pen and paper, there's going to be the narrative, there's going to be the setting and that sort of stuff. So if you want to jump into a cyberpunk type setting, I think that their games do a fantastic job of that. And they, they take care of a lot of the character creation i thought i didn't find the character creation to be you know obtuse or anything like that and even though i didn't really know what it meant to be a street samurai and i went in and i was like yeah. oh, okay you know shamans use charisma okay you know you've told me that now game now i understand that, okay if i want to do summons and stuff like that and do those types of things that that's the, the arc i go down so uh I probably am able to leverage the fact that i have a lot of rpg experience so if someone had never played an rpg before ever then it's going to be might might be too much, but I think RPGs are a good way to get into because they take care of a lot of the the mundane. Yeah, for um, Shadowrun, I really like how they deal with that stuff because when you're doing like the pen and paper and building your character, you're looking at like stats for your body, your charisma, your reflex, and all this stuff, and that kind of is the basis of what some of the skills you can get later and it can get really convoluted and complicated almost instantly whereas <laughs> in this game you kind of like it'll have like the heading it'll say like body and then it'll be like what abilities you want and it'll give a brief explanation as to what that ability is and like what you can upgrade it to and that's really nice like really streamlined for people to be able to just see everything they want easily there's still a lot to go through but I think you can make a more informed decision about what you're getting into that way, which I think is super important, especially for that game. That game is crazy big. <laughs> yeah, I agree with yeah the character, uh, like the just the, the characters, like I guess screen. I can't my, my words aren't working very well, but yeah, like just looking at your detail page and. And, you know, you can see, okay, this has a dime. I thought the user interface was actually pretty well done. And you're like, okay, you know, at body five, I'm going to get an upgrade. What does that mean? Oh, okay, this means that I'm able to, you know, resist X damage or whatever. And it was written in English and it was easy to understand. Okay, at no point was I, okay, you're going to give me this thing, but I'm not sure what that is actually going to do for me. So I think they did a good job with that for sure. Um, My only experience with Shadowrun was that one from like no, 2007? Don't say, don't say it. Not the 360 game. Yeah. No. Is, this sounds so different. <laughs> so the 360 game is a quake-like arena uh, first-person shooter match where you're trying to fight over using magic. And it was like um, a class-based multiplayer game. And, you, and I remember they were, it was getting uh, touted like you can play with the PC version as well, like back and forth. Yes. That was its, that was its big thing. That's right. Um, from hearing your guys' description, this sounds completely different. Yes, uh, that right. is set in the Shadowrun uh, mythos or like that whole world sort of thing. But Shadowrun itself is a cyberpunk RPG. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, its cores are like, um, for lack of a better comparison, just you know D and D or stuff like that. Like I think even the old Super Nintendo or Sega games were still you know more RPG than action. Yes. And I actually have a friend who he worked on the the shooter game, and he remembers going, "Ah, oh, the shooter game," because <laughs> <laughs> I think most fans of Shadowrun were hoping for something more like what the uh, Shadowrun you know Hairbrain was able to do. They they like that RPG type stuff. Yeah. They went with a weird first-person shooting deathmatch with powers, which is still yeah. a kind of okay way to go about it, but not exactly what people were expecting. 
<laughs> reminds me a lot of uh, I was a big Fallout fan, and I remember there being a you know a whole bunch of outrage when there was a game Fallout Brotherhood of but Brotherhood of Steel, and you basically played a Brotherhood Paladin, and it was a shooter type game, and people were like, "Where's you know at the time Fallout Three? Why did you give us this type thing?" Because people really love the first two RPGs. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What did you play in Shadowrun? I need to know. What was your class? What was your race? All of it. Uh, I'm boring. I was a human. And just a human man, nothing too special in that regard. I, I find decking interesting. I tend to like playing hacker type characters. Mm-hmm. And then just for weapon stuff, I also had assault rifles. So if, when the shit hit the fan, I was actually very charismatic in, in this most recent one. I actually really like the charisma system where you get the uh, various etiquettes. That, and I like that type of reactivity where, okay, I can talk my way out because I have the training of this particular you know, way to speak with, you know, this is a corporate stooge and I'm, I have the corporate etiquette so I can pick something that will be very, you know, convincing for him. So I really like that. So I had to, even though I didn't use anything beyond just the charisma scores, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, just hold on a second. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, I just need a drink. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the uh, charisma, a charismatic hacking shooter dude, I guess, would probably be the best. Deckers are badass, man. They're really cool. Yeah, no, I like the idea of the Matrix and the fact that like you can be in there doing things like during combat while other stuff is going on. And there's like one of the missions where you know there's traps that are nearby. So and there was a, a jack in. So my my character went in and I was providing cover with the rest of my party. And then you know suddenly it's my turn and I'm running around in the matrix and doing all these crazy things, avoiding all the various ICs and stuff like that. And I was like, this is actually really cool because like everything happens really fast. It seems like I get you know several turns in a row because I'm just hacking away in the matrix. And then suddenly it pulls me back and says, okay, well you need to make sure you protect your guy because people are going to be taking pot shots at him while he's vulnerable. And I was like, it's actually really cool. And then I then I tripped the trap and. Everybody on that side dies because they're standing in a pool of water or something, and I shorted out some circuit box, and I was like, yeah, that felt pretty badass. Yeah. Um, how long is that game, roughly, Hong Kong? Uh, I have my Steam. It looks like I beat it in 17 hours. I don't think I had too much in terms of idle time. I did pretty much – I didn't have any leftover quests or anything like that, so I got through all of them. So, you know, probably 15 to 20 hours is if you're – Okay. Fairly comfortable with RPGs, I'd say. Okay. That seems pretty manageable for it's not, an RPG. It's not too bad. I'm certain, actually, I, I think I like that time more. You know, 15 years ago, I was like, give me 60 hours, but sometimes 60 hours. I'm getting old. I'm 34 now. I'm not 18. And finding the time sometimes can be hard. And if I... I I find with a really long game, if I can't finish it and you got to leave and then you come back and then suddenly it's like I'm 20 hours in and I don't remember what I was doing or anything like that. It can be hard to finish the game then. So, yeah, I kind of just stop playing altogether when it gets to that point where it's like it's been a week. Where the hell am I? Oh, this is where I was. Turn the console off and go do something else. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so you've also. So, ah, ah, OK, there we go. You have also been playing Invisible Ink. Yeah, I've only just gotten started into that one. Again, it's the it has a really kind of surprising beginning where I guess yeah, you're part of a spy agency and suddenly it gets exposed and I wasn't expecting it to go quite the way that went down that it did. And yeah, you're it sounds like the basic idea is you need to find out a way to protect yourself. So yeah, you have in-game 
time limits. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the game, but we both it's... played the when it was in early access. You okay. Apple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think either of us really liked it. <laughs> no, they fixed the problems we had with it. Actually, well, that's good. Yeah. I tend to avoid early access with it. I think partly because I work in QA, I see early access, and I'm like. I know what it's like to play a game that's not quite done yet, and sometimes there's issues with that. And I find on Steam, early access can mean a wide range of things. I think like Prison Architects sure. and early access, and it might as well be a complete game. And you get some games, it's early access, and you can't do too much. So there's, I have enough on my Steam plates that I, I tend to yeah avoid early access stuff. But I think I was just so excited because I like Clay a lot. And what was the stealth game just before this Mark one? Of the Mark of the Ninja. I loved Mark of the Ninja so, so much. good. That's why yeah. I picked up Invisible. I don't like Mark of the Ninja. <laughs> well, okay. you're wrong. So. Yeah, you're a bad person. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Bioware anymore either. <laughs> That's fair. I can no. understand. That. <laughs> I work for him. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, yeah, Clay, I thought did fantastic. I really like Mark of the uh, Mark of the Ninja, and yeah, this one I'm enjoying it. It's a interesting idea. You know, there was a mission, and it was like, hey, we know we can free this person. I go and free it. Suddenly, I have a third agent that I was running around with, and I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. So uh, it it's also some people may or may not like this. It's procedurally generated levels, so. I like that because it keeps it fresh if I need to come back in or if I want to try replaying on a harder difficulty or stuff like that. So I think it has a good system. tactics, right? Yeah. Yeah, I always always like tactic strategy games. Mm -hmm. So that's that's also what drew me to that. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I don't know if you get a chance to throw it on the wish list and get it on Steam sale. I guess if you early access it, you might already have it. I don't know how how all early accesses work or not but yeah i'm, not sure. yeah, I'm pretty sure we have it and like when it actually released we just got a patch download to for the completed yeah. file it wouldn't surprise me so but um i don't even I, I think to its advantage it sounds like the main campaign won't actually be that difficult or that lengthy to complete and i think they're kind of like okay you can do this but now you can give yourself extra challenges or you know new game plus and then extra challenge mode replay stuff so uh so far, it's got me hooked it for being a pretty fun, good, good art aesthetic that I find is fits the fits the game pretty well and pleasing to look at. For sure, you know the whole like storyline of you're basically on the run, like you're kind of on the fringe right now, and you have seventy two hours or whatever yep. to get this stuff done. Yeah, that yep. wasn't in early access, so that made me hate the fact that there was a time limit for no reason. Oh, but okay. now it makes sense. <laughs> Like yeah, just little yeah. things like that, but um, yeah, yeah. They actually added a game mode. Uh, they must have added it because one of the things that was just called like you know run a business mode or something like that, which is it doesn't have any of the narrative stuff, and it is just you know do as many missions as you possibly can. There's no time limit, and eventually, I think my understanding uh, is just that you know eventually it gets so hard that you probably can't complete it. So it's kind of like your gauntlet mode of of doing industrial espionage missions yeah that sounds cool one of the things i didn't like is that every action you did in that game uh like in the early access before there was a reason for it everything that you did in that game kind of made the alarm level go up as you kept going so no matter what it was kind of forcing you to like finish a mission and leave it didn't want you to take your time it felt like but there's a reason narratively why now so that makes sense i just hated it yeah, I wonder if that was always in the plan or if, yeah, it sounds like it might have been feedback from you. Like, why is this a thing I don't understand? Because I'm yeah. just sitting here. There's no reason that you should be having an alarm 
why like why are you detecting that I'm hiding in this corner or something like that? But mm-hmm. no, yeah, definitely I haven't I felt it fit narratively, so yeah, if they made those types of changes, it sounds like it was for the better. Yeah, for okay. sure. Uh anything else? Have you been playing anything else? Uh actually I got back into I don't know if you played Payday Two. Oh my god. I've played <laughs> Paul two. is super into Payday Two. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sometimes I'm looking for a fourth. What's your Steam handle? So uh, and, uh, and the the guy who's uh, dude, on sick leave is also I super can, into Payday after too. after we're done here. I can give you a dossier of 25 people that would play with you at any time. There's so <laughs> many people I know that play Payday. Yeah, I played it like a year ago or so, something like that. And yeah, I really love it then. And then you just you know you get tired with the game, and then came back i don't know like if you played it recently like as well because they ended up adding in some like the pre-planning stuff that wasn't there you know a year plus ago and i was like oh wow this is really good where you know you can spend favors and money and stuff like that on the pre-planning mode the pre-planning mode was like wow this is so much more interesting than it used to be so and and some of the uh, new heist missions that came along with it some of like the big bang big bank and I think there was a, uh, a diamond heist and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, these are just so well done missions. It was like, you know, they've learned like, okay, here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. So now we're going to make these really cool, elaborate missions. And I was really enjoying those. And when you have a, a giant pig on the end of a crane and you're covering the guys, he zip lines across and, you know, you got FBI dudes coming down and, and all of that. So I was like, yep, this is fun again. So um, that was uh, actually, just got a friend ping me. He's like, "Hey, you want to play some painting too?" <laughs> so I might do that after this. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I haven't played Payday Two for a while. I got got sick of it because I like to play that game full stealth, and there's only a handful of missions that really there's yeah. there's only one actual mission where you have to do full stealth, and I want there to be more. And there's only a handful that do full stealth well. Yeah, that's. I think it's a fair point. I. My friends, we we usually try to start off full stealth, and then we just roll with it if it doesn't. Often, if you're playing on a hard difficulty, it means you're going to get your butt handed to you because mm. you're fighting skulldozers come storming in, and you're like, oh, well, that was a good game, guys, and I'm in you know my two-piece suit. But, yeah, there is a rush. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was just uh, four stores. And we did it on like overkill difficulty with my friend and just the whole time. And it's like just like this nervous tension. I swear I had beads of sweat coming down like the side of my face going, oh, God, there's someone coming. There's someone coming. There's some- OK, they turned around. OK, OK, OK. As we're waiting for the drill, you know, those precious 30 seconds remaining. So I, I do like the stealth missions the best. And I, th- I think that the. I haven't had a chance to do them too well. We did the diamond one, 95% stealth until uh, I screwed up, got careless. We already used our four pagers. And then I'm just like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What part did you screw up? uh, We had just gotten the uh, two. We got past the lasers. We got in all the lock boxes. So we were basically one room away from the, uh, uh, from the diamond itself. And we were just waiting for the time locks to go. And then uh, I uh, uh, I just took out our fourth the, the fourth guard or the fourth pager and you know hid it hid the body in some place and then while I was running back yeah I just got spotted by someone else and I was just oh, like shit, shit. <laughs> I wish I'd been more careful and then yeah shit hit the fan but it was still fun and it was kind of it was it was oddly like you know enjoyable to be like guys we're so close because there's like that part of you is like i bet we could do it next time so yeah the stealth stuff is the most fun i agree 
the best comment in the chat I've seen so far. Payday 2, PDT, which is TDP backwards, Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. No, it was well done. I don't know if you played the original. I enjoyed the original, but the, the second one was that we're just going to make this even better and give wider variety of missions and planning and stuff like that. So. The original was like, we want to make a heist movie video game. Yep. And then Especially the that, second one is we want to make a video game where you do heists. <laughs> like it I plays better. Probably the fair point. I mean, the second mission on this in the original was basically Heat. And I think it even yes. made a reference to Heat on it. And I love Heat and it was still fun, but uh, I think yeah. it was called Heat Street. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. And I remember there was it went on so long by the end we had one bot with us and we're like, he has to shoot everybody because we're all out of ammo and then we'll go grab the ammo of the people that he killed because he seems to be invincible, so and have infinite ammo because he's a bot. But I did enjoy it, but yeah, I think your description's pretty astute. It was no longer let's make a movie into a video game, it is now let's make a game where you do heist type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, so that's everything for you. Uh, that's been the most of it. Yeah, it's been the past couple of weeks or that. So, Sean, what the hell have you been doing since you haven't been here last week? Right. Yeah. No, my mom is in town, so that's that's why I was out. Um, well, I, I mean, I know you saw what I put down, but uh, I'll actually talk about it this week. Uh, I've been playing some Tomb Raider Go. Have you been playing, Paul? I know you downloaded a, a, it. A little bit. It's Okay, so this is the same problem I have with mobile games I was saying. I don't like doing little swipes as your main thing, which is like this. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's true. But I mean, you were, you were fine with Hitman Go. Yeah, but I only played like an hour of it. I stopped playing it, too. Oh, man. Because I, be, I, I hate playing things on the phone just in general, unless it's really, really original or like feels good. Okay. And this is... Tomb Raider Go is great. But yeah. it's not something I will pick up and just like play anytime. Okay, I mean I'm really enjoying it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I like Hitman Go more just because yeah. of the whole like it's a board game, and they went so far with that kind of aesthetic. Yes, but Tomb Raider Go, uh, it's basically the same without the board game part. You're just kind of going through caves and stuff, and it takes a while before the puzzles get difficult. Um, but you know it's uh it's still good. So if you enjoyed Hitman Go, you'll probably enjoy sure. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider Go. Do you, do you do more tomb raiding? I mean, you're in tombs the whole time. Yeah. Um. So I was, I guess yeah. You do fair. find treasures. There's treasures. Yeah. I enjoyed the the remake that came out, but there was that part of me that was like, I wish I was doing more tomb. Like there was, they'd have the handful type stuff. So I was like, if there's a a mobile game that has more of the you know, exploration puzzle type stuff that, you know, of the tomb raiding aspect, uh, my interest might be piqued. I was actually just... That is literally all this is, is a puzzle like moving around a tomb (laughs) sort of board game type thing. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's very board game-like. Possible that Paul might be wrong again, so we'll have to see. (laughs) Um, But... But yeah, I would look into either of those two games if no one's ever ever uh, played them. Those are definitely a lot of fun. Uh, and then a big chunk of my week, I've been playing Super Mario Maker. It's out tomorrow. Oh man, it comes out tomorrow. That's that's correct. Yeah. Um, Do you have like early 11th. access for it, or I got a review code for it, so I'll be. Oh, la di da. Yes. Um, are you allowed to talk too much about it? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can it. say anything. Yeah, no, reviews are up and stuff. I think the embargo was late, later or halfway last week. So oh, okay, ask sweet. me anything about Super Mario Maker. Is it Mario? It's all the Mario you could possibly <laughs> think of. <laughs> except Infinite for Mario. Super Mario Bros. 2. 
know, as someone who works in games, I find that because that's a way for people to basically, like, yeah, like, can you create your own adventure type stuff? And I only it only recently popped up on my radar, but it was, oh, wait, what's this type thing? Because I like seeing what people can do, like, you know, whether it be mods or whatnot. Uh, yeah, so in order, and actually in order to unlock anything in that game, you like, you're forced to create stages. So even though I'm not really, I generally don't want to create my own levels. I like playing other people's. Uh, in order to like unlock everything, I I have to, and I'm I'm actually quite getting into it. So that's cool. definitely a really cool thing to see. That's interesting. Like, do you have to build it like within a particular like standard? I mean, I can create a level that is trivial where I walk to the flag and touch it, and I, or do no, you, do you can you can do that if you want. Yeah, and then you Fair can enough. upload it, and other people can do it. Um, <laughs> and they even even though because like how many different Mario aesthetics do they have in there? They have Super Mario Bros. Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario World, and New Super Mario Bros. And a lot of those mechanic, or I should say, um, a lot of the like items and whatnot weren't in like the past games, but they like retroactively made them. So you can see like an 8-bit Yoshi, even though he wasn't wow. in Super Mario Bros. But he needs to be if you're choosing to use that aesthetic. Oh, so that's definitely really cool, too. Um, another really cool thing, you can just put sound effects everywhere. You can even record your own sound effect and put it in your level. So if you want every time Mario jumps on like a spring to have like a fart noise, you can record that if you want and put it in your level and upload it. Great. It's, it's everywhere. It's kind of crazy just how much you can do with this game. Um, and then I will say, though, the one issue, which I understand they're fixing, but the one issue up to this point was in order to unlock everything, it was gated by time. So let's say it would basically say something like, hey, uh, cr- play around in the creation mode for five minutes to queue up the next delivery and a delivery will come tomorrow. Like you can't use any of the new stuff until tomorrow. So then you, you know, you come on in the next day and you're playing and it says, Hey, here's your new set of items. You can now use this stuff, play around with them for at least five minutes. And then you can queue up the next delivery. And from reading, it seems like it takes a solid nine days to get everything. Um, which that's kind of a bummer. I understand they're doing that so that no one gets like overwhelmed with all the possible stuff right off the bat. Um, but it just, it does kind of suck when you're like, Oh man, I just really wish I had like the flamethrower thing right now. This would be perfect for my stage. It's the one thing I need, which is what I actually ran into. Mm. So I just had to kind of like try and remember that while still forcing myself to do five minutes of work or whatever. I was reading that they're apparently they're doing an update today. That's going to be changing that so that it's like every 15 minutes or it's like, like they haven't, people quite haven't figured. Sorry, people haven't quite figured out how long it takes to queue those updates. If it's fifteen minutes, or if it's placing a certain number of items and then it unlocks. But either way, I have to I have to do a little more testing around with that. But that was my one issue, and it seems like they're fixing it. Other than that, um, it's great. Unlimited Mario levels. They even have um, if you guys have played uh, the N way of the Ninja games, when there's a lot of those like the level will play itself and it just pushes the ninja around. A bunch of people have done that for Mario. So you can just nice. watch Mario run through a stage. Uh, I did see one that was literally just a bunch of sound effects from like different stuff in the Mario world doing the never going to give you up by Rick Astley. Yeah. <laughs> as you get pushed through. That. That's a great video. Okay. I, I'm sure that has been the case. Yeah. That's what I love about these types of things is the internet, you know, as scary and, as it might be sometimes is it is such a source for like infinite creativity as well. Where I'm like, I can't believe someone just did that. And I'm so glad that they did. 
that's right. what I liked about Little Big Planet before that went down the shitter. <laughs> is seeing all the custom levels. I'm I'm seeking the chat. Someone's actually saying that apparently they cut out personal audio in anything uploaded to prevent abuse. That makes sense. That's kind of a bummer. But that is a bummer. Right? But all it probably takes is you know one person who did something that was way way over the line and then came <laughs> over for everybody. So yeah, this is still Nintendo we're talking about here at the end right. of the day. So um, and uh, yeah, so right now my my current map that I've been working on, uh, I'll, I'll give you the pitch for it. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of Goombas up in the top left corner. Like, I'm in. I don't know, like thirty of them or something. And they're in, they're in basically like a box with one little exit, and then the exit leads right to Mario. And then you're running down this like one pan, like one I don't know, I should, like height level through these like tunnels while these Goombas are chasing you. And I'm like having different ways of slowing Mario down, so you're kind of getting chased by this like wave of Goombas so, the whole time. So it's like an endless runner sort of thing with something chasing you. I, I guess like, it, things are trying to slow you, right? But you're like you're like going down little. Uh, I don't know, corridors, then you're bouncing up uh, uh, springs, and the Goombas can go on the springs as well, so they're following you up. And so I think I'm about halfway through it, and then I'm going to upload that. That sounds pretty good. That That's sounds cool. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. When you jump on some of the springs, a bird noise gets made. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very nice. I guess you just did like the one height, so you can't just stomp on all the Goombas. And Ex- exactly, in places yeah. where like I needed where I needed more height for whatever reason, I just put spikes up there so you can't jump. Otherwise, yeah, you would just defeat the Goombas and that would defeat the whole the whole purpose yeah. of it. No, I like that. It was a creative way of using it because, you know, it's a Goomba. It's a thing that you have to run and jump up onto and you're like, nope. And that's, and that's like the another really interesting fact is like I'm learning so much about making Mario levels. Like it's, I had everything with just standard blocks originally, but then I realized, oh, wait a sec. If Mario gets underneath these and just jumps up, he'll be able to take out all the Goombas. So I had to completely remap my entire thing with solid blocks. And like, I keep coming into all these things of like, oh, I didn't think of that. You're learning. You're actually learning level design. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, he's starting to get it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you find actually, I mean, I guess just for myself, I've done things helping out, uh, you know, at like the local Edmonton Space Science Center or Odyssey, or I don't even know what we call it now, but, uh, and yeah, you'll get like youth camps that go in making games. Like, is there a part of you that goes, oh, hey, we, you know, I get a little bit extra appreciation for some of the, you know, challenges that, you know, because your first, you're like, oh, I got the perfect solution, but then you ended up doing this and it's like, you know what, I need to actually go back and change absolutely everything because, you know, I, I realize that it, it actually isn't going to work the way that I ho- had hoped for. Yeah, no, there's been several cases where I've had to like redo things significantly just because of whatever reason. Or with the whole like gating my progression of the items I unlock, I, it's like, oh, this thing came out. And it's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. That would completely make this better. I have to completely do, re- redo this part of the map and so on and so on. I'm interested um, yeah, to so- see what TDP members do. <laughs> We should get people um, that buy Mario Maker to send us some, and like we'll try them out and talk. I'm about sure them. there are they're going to want John to for sure. So oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's out. That's out tomorrow. So get yes. get get hype for that. Uh, oh, the amiibo support. How's that? I actually haven't used it yet. I do have oh. my one amiibo, uh, which I found in a box yesterday. I didn't know where it was. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it just gets you like costumes because um, you can basically put like. O- any character that's in Smash Bros or that has an amiibo, I should say, into a mushroom, 
So instead of Mario becoming Big Mario, he becomes Link. Or he becomes Marth. But it'll be like an (laughs) 8-bit one if you're using that aesthetic, which is is cool too. So uh, I think that's all it does give you. Actually, I should say there's more costumes than this that because I got someone from WarioWare the other day. Oh. Which was definitely really cool. So yeah, there's a there's a lot in there, and there's all these like I should even say there's all these like little hidden stuff as well. For whatever reason, I don't know how I spawned this. I was customizing my stage, and all of a sudden flies came out of my out of the like the sides, like and from the Mario the, paint, that type of fly. Yeah, nice. And so my my Silas turned into a fly swatter, and I swatted the three flies. Nice. And then instead of the creation mo- mode that went away, and now I was playing some fly swatter mini game for I don't know how many levels, but it was go until you could. It was like a time trial thing. That that's just in there for. That was the best part of Mario Paint. Oh my god, I need this game. There's just there's just so many like weird little things in there. Tons to find. So cool. Uh, yes. What else have I been playing? Uh, I've been playing Forza Six. Cool. I don't know when that comes out. I think it's next week. Sometime next week. How's that? Um, I don't like simulation racers, so this one's kind of hard to play through. Oh, Forza, you said. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yes. Okay. Sorry, yeah. Forza 6. I yeah. know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a much bigger fan of uh, Forza Horizon, because those are basically arcade racers. Sure. Um, uh, but I will say, uh, Forza 6, uh, that game looks real nice. Um. I just, I have to, it makes me use the brake button and I just want to hit the go button and dodge stuff. Unless you, unless you want to do that Tokyo drift. That's the only time you should ever put a brake button in. Sure. That's true. Pull that e-brake. Yeah. I like the simulation. The original Gran Turismo on PlayStation was like my first time going, oh my God, a racing game that I absolutely love, especially because basically the way it looked was to me was it this is like an rpg and your cars you're like <laughs> upgrading you know i'm winning money that's basically my xp i'm spending my xp on a new rom tuner for you know improve you know that eight extra horsepower that's so precious to me and stuff like that so that's the it, nerdiest way i've ever yep. heard that described because i wouldn't describe myself as like a car person at all and you know i played some racing game you know test drive and stuff like way back in like the early 90s and i was like okay this is fun but that i was just like there's there's like this mechanic about it and skill that i really appreciated and it was funny because i remember the instruction manual for that book was like we're gonna teach you how to drift i'm like okay and it's like go to a you know dirt parking lot and i was like wait a minute i think it's actually going to teach me alan in a car how to drift and it's like you need to go here you need to hit the brakes i'm like there's no dirt track level in in the game i don't know what it's talking about and i realized like it is actually teaching the reader this is what you need to do to drift and then yeah so once i started to learn that i was like oh this is actually kind of cool and then understanding for it i was able to yeah like you say nerdily break it down into mini problems please tell me it taught you how to drift in real life and that you tried it I did not try because I'm like, I'm just going <laughs> to fuck this up and crash my car. I can afford that. You know, in video yeah. game land, I can reboot. And most of them, they don't even have damage. But uh, yeah, there, there w- I would be lying if I said I wasn't curious. When I, my local school, because like, I lived out in the country at the time, had a big giant dirt parking lot. And as I would drive by, I would kind of side eye and go, I, I could try. <laughs> but I had a front wheel drive car too, which makes it hard. So. Oh, well, man. you wait for when it's snowy, right? Like, yeah. That's when my friends would oh, typically okay. well, drift. Oh, okay. Well, everybody's done that. I mean, that's yeah. Just, like yeah. You, you find like an intersection and you just pull that e-brake and of course you're going to start Or a drifting. parking lot, like a school parking lot when, yeah, after exactly. Christmas break's been let out or something. Like a mall or something yeah. too. Yeah. 
I'd say anyone who lives in Canada who says that they have not at least tried that once is just being a bald-faced liar. It's fucking yeah. scary, though. When it goes, it it's too scary sometimes. Like, <laughs> I don't do it my, anymore, but... My friend would do it in his minivan. So there was just, like, too many of us in this huge thing drifting in, like, a residential neighborhood. Oh, just at no. an intersection. Oh, we were idiots. Yeah, that's really dangerous. Some, some ultra, like, top-heavy car. All you need to hit is, like, a patch of solid pavement, and suddenly your tires grab and go for a roll or something like oh, that. Oh, for sure, yeah. That would have been yeah. fun. But anyway, that's kind of what Forza 6 is like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, another thing I'm not a huge fan of that Horizon does is Horizon will have, like, a soundtrack, uh, you know, of, you know, whatever hits or whatever singles and stuff. This one just has, like, orchestral e- epic music at all times, which is just not as, like... I mean, I guess that some people could be way into that, but I kind of just preferred like jamming out to whatever songs some often that I would know. This is just probably like a personal thing. But uh, so there's that. Apart from that, though, the game looks gorgeous. And again, like the UI is fantastic. And it, it's like it almost seems like. Like super professional. And I, I don't want to say clinical because that seems almost negative, but um, it's just a really nice presented game for sure. Like- polished maybe i guess or you know like- sure yeah that yeah that one definitely works too and and it has the whole like built-in uh customize your car thing uh like your the the way it oh, looks really? in terms of like tell, all the paint jobs <laughs> so you can uh you can get all the crazy looking cars uh for i guess free and i guess that's another thing because a lot of people were upset with forza 5 because of all the microtransactions oh, i haven't yeah, seen like any of those that's good. Granted, I haven't looked too in depth, but nothing has popped out with me just normal, like playing it like a normal dude. So, oh, hopefully, that's the case. I, I can understand people having issue with that. I think yeah. a lot of it is kind of experimenting and then going, "Oh shit, people didn't like that next one. We should never do that." So, yeah, it seems I, like they, I think that came yeah, back. Need, yep. And uh, then last game I've been playing this week, Games with Gold has the Deer God on it. How good is uh, it? Dear God is this, is just a weird game. It's a really weird game. Okay. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun though. I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing a lot. It's hard to kind of tell. I guess. I, I guess I'll set up how the, what the Dear God is. You're a hunter, I believe, who shoots a deer, and then the Dear Gods like kidnap you and turn you into a baby deer, and then uh, your quest is to just keep moving right forever. <laughs> I don't really know why yet. Um, but you know, I'm an adult deer now because over time you grow up, you can double jump, you can shoot fireballs. Sometimes you find <laughs> a giant hydra monster in a cave that it says boss on the screen. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defeat it for whatever reason. There's also a hunger meter, and sometimes you find ghosts. Actually, you definitely find ghosts. There's a lot of ghosts in the game. Every animal always wants to hurt you, so you got to just run away from them. Panthers are dicks. I'll say that. There's a lot of spikes. And I, I, it's just a lot of running and double jumping, um, but it's it's fun. I've been chilling out with it. Um, it's a bit hard to get into. I would I would have said that I was dying a lot at the beginning, but now I got like eleven lives locked up. I'm I totally figured it out. Paul, how, how, you you seem to have known a bit about this game. Have you played much? No, I haven't played any. That's why I want to okay. know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it is it on sorry it is on Steam. It came out in February, I think it was of this year. Yeah. A long um, time ago, it feels like anyway. But I th- I, from what I understand, I think you're just trying to like. I honestly I don't know. You're trying to do something so you can turn back into a human. Uh, but I'm looking at the achievement. It's like 
sort of the achievements and it's like you haven't ridden a train yet and i'm like where would i find a train i'm in the forest this entire <laughs> time and sometimes i'm in like the the will it's like it's like completely wilderness like and then yeah i don't i don't really know um my one issue the- is that it's hard to see the deer from the background with the pixelated art style that's my one problem with it especially at night it's real hard I would actually agree. I'm just looking up like screenshot. I'm like, dear God, what the hell are you guys talking about? Yeah, but, it's a weird uh, game. Came out of nowhere. Yeah, it looks like it's just on the screenshots in your description. Yeah, like just like a, a platformer of pixel style graphics. And yeah, you shoot fireballs, I guess. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to like relate the graphics to something specific, I'd probably pick like Sword and Sorcery because it's kind of got that like long pixel definitely. aesthetic. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it definitely like has a, that. Yeah, like a 3D pixel. Yeah, a bit, yeah. And, like, the background does move um, kind of, like, parallax to it, so there is some kind of, like, two-and-a-half-D depth there. Yeah. But, um, but the game again, like, sometimes like the, you're, the deer on. is really hard to pick out, and at night it's, like, I'm constantly just, like, oh, taking damage. I guess there was a snake there. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, everything's trying to kill you. Um, but it's weird, and, yeah, if you have a window, if you have a Xbox Live Gold, it's free at the moment, so you might as well try it out. I fought a I fought a turtle. I don't know, like it was a giant turtle. I don't know why, but it, for some reason, this one deer was like, "Hey, I'm the Thunder God. Please go beat this turtle." And I was like, uh, "Okay, yes, sir." Why does the Thunder God need your help? That seems. <laughs> I don't. Why is the Thunder God another deer? Well, that makes sense, but. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. Why uh, wouldn't it be? I guess that's true. That's true. Um, that's all I played. Paul, what have you been playing? You've been playing some big titles. Oh man, the biggest titles. So I'm so fucking stoked, man. I finally tried out Hitsune Miku Project Mir- Mirai DX or whatever on the don't 3DS. Ask, ask me. I tried out the demo. I'm going to go buy that game straight out, man. It's so fucking good. Hitsune Miku, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a rhythm game. Yes, it is a rhythm okay. game. Uh, it's cute. It's a cute little game. I like it a lot. I okay. actually do really like it a lot. I'm probably going to purchase it. What is it like? Leapy agents? Like what kind of? Um, what are you? What are you like doing? Other, it's like the other Hatsune Miku games. You pushing buttons or tapping on the me. screen. Okay. Yeah. Like so it's like Frappa the Rapper. <laughs> you know what? Kind know of. <laughs> but yeah. I remember playing that on the demo disc from my PlayStation when I got it. Parappa like, the Rapper? Yep. <laughs> oh, man, don't even talk to me about Parappa right now. I'm so angry at Cheap Cheap the Cooking Chicken. I hate that level. <laughs> it's a worse level. Um, that, Anyways, uh, yeah, I've been playing the 3DS demo for Hitsune Miku, and it's really, really great, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've been playing more Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, though. And that's like the talk of the town right now. I've parsed all my feelings about it. That is the game with every game mechanic ever introduced in gaming put into it. There's too many mechanics in that game and they all work exceedingly well. <laughs> nice. Um, because of that, what I go to Metal Gear for, which is an overabundant amount of crazy story, there isn't enough of. It is too mechanics focused this time. And I don't like that. World, I think it is. Yeah, it is open world. You like sneak around a lot or shoot people. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, the that's kind of what the good thing about it is, is that you can tackle any mission or situation that you have to do in any way you want. 
it's really open and you can like there's a research and development team sort of thing so you can like research better weapons and like better boxes better boxes better like suits to wear like camo (laughs) everything there is so much like free-to-play mechanic bullshit in this where it's just like waiting to build a like more of your base or like moving around personnel in your base to make other things like to level up whatever um whatever area you need to level up to like make a new item there's so many weird little micro things going on in this game but the thing that makes it really good is that the sneaking and the stealth is really really good like it is probably the best that they've done in the series so far and it's pretty impressive considering like they've made a bullshit in the past like with Metal Gear Solid 4, the way the sneaking worked is that you had the optical camo, which basically, like, turned you into your surroundings, and that's how people wouldn't find you. And this is just straight up, like, you're just wearing camo, you're a dude. But, like, if you stay in the shadows, you'll be harder to see. Like, if you stay, you can, like, basically stand in front of somebody if you stop moving and kind of, like, just, like, get down on the ground so you're harder to see at night and stuff like that. Like, it's very, very well done. But I need more dumb Metal Gear shit every half an hour. I need another. I need a half an hour cutscene after every hour of gameplay. It's not giving me the like shots of Metal Gear I need or expect. There's too much grinding out for shit that I don't like. Like I right now, I want to go for the sniper rifle that shoots tranquilizer darts, so I can like, because I, I don't like doing. I don't like killing people in these games i like tranking everybody or choking them out or whatever and especially in this game where you fulton them out you tie them up to a balloon and send them to your base for like benefits so i really like just tranquilizing and stealing everybody basically um so like weapons that do damage you can steal everything right like you can steal everything yeah the the best one is you steal a like little wolf puppy and he's just, like, hanging out with you, and he's all cute when you come back to base, and he's trying to jump onto the helicopter, but can't he's because he's too small. His legs aren't big enough yet. Like, it's fucking is this, adorable. Is this the D-Dog I've been hearing it's, a lot about? It is the D-Dog. Everything in this okay. game is the D-something. Right. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, man. It's not, it's not what I come to a Metal Gear game for. It is probably the perfect game mechanically that has come out this year, because everything they have tried to do they've done with such polish that it just feels super good to pick up and play but i need more dumb story beats i need more silliness every now and then i need more terrible things happening and i need less of standing around in a desert for three hours trying to get one mission done i I don't know i've been hearing a ton of like silly stuff like hang on there's apparently like cassette tapes you can listen to sure one of which is actually just a dude taking a shit yeah (laughs) <laughs> I was not expecting that. Well, what you do is like you can sit into you can like go into the porta potties and then play that so guards won't go try to open up the porta potty. Oh yeah, that's of right. Course, of course. Which, that's that's ridiculous. This is what I'm talking about. There's so many little mechanics and they all work well that you want to play it. Like it feels really good cuz you can do whatever the fuck you want and it works. But there's not enough of the stupid shit that cu- you get brought into like the first hour of that game is like mind-blowing crazy and i'm about 10 hours in now and there hasn't been another point of that at all 
which is insane okay. for a Hideo Kojima game. Like, in 10 hours, I only got one hour of story? What the hell? I hear there's more at the end, but uh, you know, <laughs> well, I've, also, yeah. I've also been hearing, like, the game's, like, 50 <clears throat> hours, so. Yeah, I, there's people on my friends list, like, y'all need to go back to school or go to church or get a job or something, because there's no way people should have 80 hours in three days in a game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe they just left it running while they slept. Oh, no. I know these people. They were there every minute. (laughs) I remember those days. But I've also been hearing a lot of, like, um, it is, like, the best, like, video game Metal Gear Solid game. Like I said, mechanically, this year, just straight out, it is the best mechanically, like, solid video game. Oh, Period. Wow. This year. There you go. But I don't, but for what I want in a Metal Gear game, it's not there. It's just not it's okay. still such a good game, though, that, like, you play it. <laughs> so you play it, you shut up, and you just recognize it for the good stuff it does. That's kind of what it is for me. I can understand what you're saying, though. Like, I, I only played the first Metal Gear Solid, and I don't play too many console games. And I have the, the PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3, so I missed out on the sequels. But, you know, I loved hearing about the stories and then, then the fan discussion of going with, like, what was it, like, the one with Ocelot, I think, in number three, where he, like, manually ejects a cartridge from a semi-automatic pistol and Snake comments, like, oh, you tried doing this, like, super hardcore, ultra-elite, like, special forces move and i'm like that's such total bullshit no one would ever do that <laughs> they're um oh i will say a thing i like is that with Kiefer sutherland taking over the job of voicing snake i'm glad that snake slash big boss doesn't talk like hardly at all because i hate Kiefer sutherland as him I, it's not but when right. you upgrade your your arm you get the rocket punch and then he shouts rocket punch every time no, before he hits there's some great dumb <laughs> shit in there because kojima still worked on it like he still did it so there's great shit in there but it's not what i want necessarily out of his stuff i don't i don't want a good game i just want metal gear fuck <laughs> <laughs> um that game's totally fine though like I, there's no way you could feel like you've wasted your money in that, I think. Unless you just hate mechanically solid games and love story. If you only love okay. story in video games, like get a get seven visual novels for the price because there's like not enough for me. And I All right. yeah. Uh speaking of which Mad Max has like no story. You're a dude that's angry in the wasteland and you want to kill people and get your car bigger. The video game kind that, of thematically fits the whole franchise, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Does he, is he also quiet for the most part? Not really. Like, yeah, but not really. He talks. Okay. It's um, it's Australian dude. <laughs> I can't remember. Does this take place around any of the movies? Uh, it's done in the same style that uh, Fury Road is. So, like, it looks very similar aesthetically, like with the same color palettes and shit. But, but in terms of, like, in the timeline, like, you just have no idea. It's just another adventure. Yeah, I'm sure it probably takes place after Fury Road. I'm pretty sure it's the same dude. Like, okay. supposed to be the same version of Max, not the Mel Gibson Max. Right. Um, That game is open world game to, like, the hundredth degree. It is every open world mechanic ever. Like, you go to a place... 
there you take out a bunch of dudes and you get an objective thing to like upgrade a small thing then you leave and you go take down a tower then you go do another thing like there's just a bunch of bunch of weird shit you do and it's all just basically the carrot on the stick to make your car better because the the thing with this game is that the car stuff is really really cool the car customization putting different weapons on using different weapons against guys and like the death races and all that stuff all of it is really badass everything else is kind of garbage because everything else is not anything new in these types of games and not even done to the extent that to like how good the other games have done it. So like, for example, there's a lot of it's the Arkham, like Batman combat, the hand to hand combat, but those parts suck because in Batman there's the combat, but then there's also the little gadgets he uses. You can like do your being stealthy and like going up to the rafters. It's kind of a whole experience when you're doing a quote-unquote fight or like taking out a bunch of dudes in that game in this it is literally just going in and punching and dodging like six or seven dudes until they're all dead so okay it's not fun at all and that forces you to do it a lot which is weird because with batman with arkham knight the batmobile stuff wasn't necessarily fun and they made you do that a lot <laughs> so if you put these two games together, you'd have the perfect game somehow, but it wouldn't make any sense story-wise at all. Okay. Um, it's one of these... Does it look like Fury Road, like yes. super saturated colors and yeah. stuff? Yeah, it okay. does. Okay, that's cool. This is the type of game that you buy like a kid for Christmas or something, and you know you won't have to buy them another game for a few months because there's so many little things to do in it. It's one of these busy work games where they just give you... The, a bunch of like content in doing the same thing over and over in different areas and getting a little bit better each time and building new cars, but not really expanding anything to like an ultimate ending. What's and better, Mad Max or Metal Gear? For this week, or just in general? I just b- b- the two games, like the two. Oh, because they're both open world, I guess. I don't know, just because those are the two you played. <laughs> You're playing those two. What, oh, which okay. ones do you like? I like like you have middle to put one down. Well, the thing is I have more fun with the dumb shit Mad Max does, but Metal Gear is just straight out the better game. It is Fair just okay. better. Yeah. All right. Uh yeah, if you like open world games though, Mad Max is another one of those and you won't be disappointed with it because it does some fun stuff. That's the best thing I can say about it. Do you fight on top of the cars like in the movie? Uh you like you can be driving and then you'll kind of like go out your window a little bit to shoot weapons or whatever, or your little helper dude that rides with you will shoot weapons and stuff like that. But you don't like jump from car to car. You you're kind of tied down to this one car called your Magnum Opus. This is the thing you're building up like to be this giant badass thing and customizing. So it's kind of revolved around you staying in that vehicle. The idea is Max got like, the shit kicked out of him at the very beginning of the game and his vehicle stolen and ripped apart for parts or whatever. So he's building a new one and he's right. angry and killing people while he does it. Sounds, sounds correct. Yes. So I've yeah, heard lots of good things about, yeah, the vehicle, some of the, especially once you get your car upgraded a little bit, 
then it just turns into fantastic spectacles of combos where like everybody has their own unique story of this really intense moment that happened in a Mad Max car chasing. The best thing about that game is straight up the first weapon you get is a harpoon gun and you can harpoon uh, war boys out of the other cars and drag them across the wasteland with you. <laughs> <laughs> like just stuff like that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's all I've been playing though. So we should move on to news. Okay, yeah, a little bit of news. Uh, One huge thing of news, but we'll save that for the end. Yeah, so the huge thing of news is Binding of Isaac Afterbirth expansion release date announced October 30th. I'm excited. That's going to add a shitload more content. Okay, all right. So, yeah, (laughs) that's... uh, I guess if you're you're a Binding of Isaac fan. Yeah, I am. I think those games are great. Those two. (laughs) This is when I teased the release date of Mass Effect, right? (laughs) <laughs> yep, yep and in news <laughs> so it's on <laughs> so you guys got that right yep yeah yeah we're good yeah we're good that's pretty a show sure. pretty sure everyone picked <laughs> that it is up. a good date all right yeah <laughs> um a little closer to now as of next week shovel knight expansion will be next week that game is 17th. great shovel knight's i just like so to good. play the original but yeah shovel knight's so good you should you should really play the original yeah it's really good i think good. the retail release comes out the same day in fact, I think you get both of these. Like, you get the expansion with it if you get the retail release. I think I read that. That makes sense because I'm pretty sure the patch, like for PC, for the the expansion, just downloads on is that it day. Free or is it like DLC? No, I'm pretty sure it's free. Oh, I thought really cool. I thought that was one of the nice. Kickstarter goals. I I don't know. I mean, I oh yeah, maybe they, if they had already gotten it from Kickstarter, yeah, they might have said, okay, well, we 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 don't have enough time to get this out yet but we'll keep working on it once the game's out yeah like it's great in this one you're gonna play as plague knight and you it's gonna take more of a like alchemy thing where you're making different bombs to use instead of like using your shovel and getting power-ups and stuff it's definitely different yeah so that should be interesting i'm looking forward to it people in the chat are saying it's free yeah yeah all right ubisoft's making a theme park great in Malaysia. Who's excited? Oh, are there a bunch of towers around this theme park that you have to climb up? Probably, right? That's probably, that's the easiest thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it's going to open in 2020. Okay. This is like an actual, like, legit, like, <clears throat> Six Flags, Disneyland, like, we're making yeah, a this theme is park, from right? This news article, 10,000 square meter indoor theme park in Kuala Lumpur. Oh god! I just saw pictures, and you see like I can't remember the name, like the rabbits or whatever. And... Oh no, the raving rabbits! <laughs> I mean, I don't think yep. they started building it yet, so I'm, I'm not sure what you're looking at. That's fair. Yeah, I just see some people <clears throat> standing around a bunch of raving rabbit people. I'm sure there's going to be rabbits there, though. Like for yeah. sure. This is for what sure. they say. Ubisoft's intention for this park is to immerse people in reactive worlds where they can interact with each other and become heroes of their own life-sized game. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what they mean by that. Me too, actually. <laughs> I have no I can, idea. I can do things in video games that I sure as heck cannot do in real life. So <laughs> Maybe they will make you a superhero. If it's you also in like Malaysia, though, so like, I, don't, I don't know how much they're like really trying. You know what I mean? Like If they were like super serious, it would just be in America, <clears> right? 
I guess, like, with the real cynical crowd. Like, it would be like if somebody today, like, was pretending to be Jesus and had firecrackers or something and, like, just little parlor tricks. What? You would be easy. It's easier to. We've been talking about. It's easier to go to Malaysia and, like, do a weird little, like, ride with, like, a 3D screen or something and say this is magic than to somebody in, to a more technological part of the world. Is what what I'm are saying. you even talking about? You know what I'm, I'm talking about. I'm not agreeing with any of this. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with any of this. If I get into it, it's going to be misconstrued as racist, and I am not going down that line again. Oh, my God. I'm, next topic. This is so bad. <laughs> uh, Pikmin 4 is announced. Who likes Pikmin? I hate I like Pikmin. Pikmin. I think how I'm you, too old for it. I how do you hate that. Pikmin? I hate it. I don't find it fun at all. Anyway, all we know is they said they're working on it. Uh, we don't know what system. Um, but Pikmin 4. I liked Pikmin 3 a lot. That was a great game. Fair Never enough. played Pikmin 2. All right, big news. Pokemon Go. Did you see this announcement? I don't... Is So is it, like, augmented reality, then? I I guess. So, okay. yeah. So this is a smartphone <laughs> app. Yeah. Where they partnered... Um, what's, the, what's the company? They worked on Ingress. The company is called... Nian, Niantic? Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I guess it was uh, some former uh, Google employees. They made a game called Ingress, which was basically like a location-based app where you would go to just different buildings and you could like hack them and take them over and they'd be yours. But then other people could come to your building, like physically go to the location and like attack you. So you could like set up in the game, you know, know, on your phone, like defenses and stuff for whatever building you conquered and stuff like that. Yeah, I've played it. It's fun. Kind of. Um, <laughs> so they're working with the Pokemon company to do Pokemon Go, which I guess from the little trailer that's out there, there's like a th- there's like a three minute video where there will be like locations for you to find Pokemon in the wild, try and collect them, and then you can also link up with other people to trade, or there'll be like community events. Like they showed like a Mewtwo that like everyone had to had ten minutes to work towards getting, so they like all set their Pokemon out to defeat it and whatnot. Um, it just seems like really cool, like a super good idea. There's also yeah. going to be like a little wristband watch thing for kids. And then I guess their idea is you'd pair it with your, like the parents phone. Um, but it just seems like this is such like a no brainer. Like I'm, this is cool. This seems super cool. I don't know like how well it'll actually work in terms of like, you know, there's a Pikachu down the street. I'm going to go out of my place and go collect it. But I would probably totally do that. <laughs> Why not? I- yeah, I think I would probably do that too. Um, it's uh, it's going to be early 2016 is the release date for this. No ideas on uh, pricing or whatever. I'm assuming it's I'm assuming it's going to be free, and you're going to have to like purchase like Pokeballs. Like I'm thinking free to play microtransaction oh. all up in this. Oh no! You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm waiting for for this to take the world by storm. And like you just you're driving down the freeway, right? And then all of a sudden somebody swerves off the side of the road. You're like, oh shit! You check your phone, and sure enough, the reason they did is because there's like an Arcanine down there. <laughs> just like everybody in the world is so into this thing that they're just like stopping in the middle of travel to go catch fake Pokemon in their real. When you world. have your like your 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 you know your 2012 windshield screen, yeah, yeah, in your car. Showing the Pokemon, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're saying like you got those, you know, video screens on your dashboard and stuff, and you just have that hooked up with your GPS, showing you where all your Pokemon. <laughs> that would be great. 
It's kind of like you know GTA or something like that. You just have this map, and it's like, oh, you got to take this next right here, and you'll grab. Who- That's basically what it looked like, because yeah, it had like arrows and stuff that the uh, Japanese businessman was going into like alleys, and then he found that <laughs> Pikachu. Yeah, um, exactly. Like the whole I world. Want, I want like crazy location based. Like, no, you're gonna have to climb this mountain if you want, you know, this Eevee or whatever. And it's like, okay, and then because you know there'd be people out there that are like, I'm going around the world to do this. There'd be some crazy, like, billionaire. Sean, what's your favorite Pokemon? Um, or one of es- them. As Espeon. So, like, what if you had to go to, like, a Tokyo power plant <laughs> to get one? You would have to fly across the ocean. I mean, there's no way I would do that. But, you know, if I was in the area, like, why not? Sure, sure, yeah. Although my phone will be on airplane mode when I am in the area, <laughs> so there's no way I would do that. <laughs> yeah, fair there's, enough. There's that problem, so... um. Anyway, yeah, I'm just kind of interested in all the like community interconnectedness they're going to do. Uh, so I'm uh, excited to see kind of wh- where that will go. Uh, let's go on to all the questions. Yeah. Sean, where can people write in if they want to ask a question? They want to write questions in. It's topdownperspective at gmail.com or through Twitter at TDP Podcast. And again, people uh, on the chat, if they want to send in questions right now, post them on the chat and we'll try to get to them. Uh, to make this easier on me, like I can get them, do that. Go at Alan so I can see it because I have it set up so I will see that'll highlight on my screen. Uh, we only had one Twitter question, really. We have like ones for Alan after, but the one for us, do you think Life is Strange Season 2 could happen at this point? If so, would you even want it? Like, I, uh, yeah, I think I would. I think it has to be a whole new cast. Like, a, like you got a true detective it. Just like a completely different thing. And maybe the one resemblance is, I'm not even saying it has to be time travel again. It's just maybe they have a weird power. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Would, it take pla- would, would it take place in Arcadia Bay? I don't think it has to. But sure. maybe if you want to have like some like through thread, you could. It just seems like it'd be weird that Arcadia Bay keeps getting hit. Maybe somewhere like kind of near it, but not exactly there. Sure. But I don't want to see like the characters again. Although I don't know that we haven't seen that final episode, so I don't know for sure. But I think uh, I think you just kind of I think the through line is the kind of low key and there's weird powers involved. That's how I do it. Sure. I just want episode five right now. I'm not even thinking yeah. about future stuff. Yeah. So do I. Um. Uh, where are we, Matt? And, uh, hmm? I was going to say in the chat before we listen, there's one directly for Alan. What's the worst game you've done QA for? Well, I've only done three games, so it's like, hmm, which one? Uh, the worst game? It's going to sound like I'm throwing my, my employer under the bus because it could still be a fantastic game, but it is the worst one. Uh, the, the the one that was the hardest for me. Uh, just there you go. That's a good to, way of putting it. Due to scheduling, and it was also kind of the, you know, I came in late on DAO, so it was mostly a finished game. So uh, DA2 would probably be the most challenging game because we had an aggressive schedule. and That was, was the most challenging one to play, too. <laughs> so for the... Uh, uh, just trying to find like the best way of saying it, like, it was also the one because now it was like, okay, well, you were on DAO, so now go and run free. And you have a, a little bit more freedom, especially in the early parts of... 
you know, trying to work on things. So it was just, it was my first, I guess, you know, game from start to finish as well, which probably accents that. And so by the time I get to Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, Inquisition had the advantage of this is brand new technology and I'm a gigantic nerd. So I'm just like, I want to take this and consume this. And because Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2 were actually still like just really, really elaborate extensions of the Neverwinter Nights engine. So I was actually already familiar with that just as a fan, you know, using the Neverwinter Nights tool set. So I mean, it, it had evolved, of course. But now I was looking at Frostbite, which is fucking gorgeous in my opinion. Uh, I thought both Origins and Dragon Age 2, I mean, I didn't think that they were woefully ugly games, but they were not games that were, I think were as nice as the other ones. And Frostbite, I thought, was like a huge step up in terms of the graphical and physics and, and all of those stuff that comes with the new engine. So I was I was better at my job as well going into Inquisition. So Dragon Age 2 is probably the one. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's take an email one here. Matthew writes in, after last, uh, after last week's episode, I went and downloaded that Monster Strike game Paul was talking about. I'm now ranked 35 and obviously play the game too much. <laughs> when I go to bed, the main menu music is stuck in my head, especially the part that goes, it was always burning since the world's been turning from we didn't start the fire. And I'm starting to... Hmm? Is this is this the mobile game that has like the little dragon as the icon? Uh, I can't remember what the icon I'm gonna is. Is it a mobile Googled game? Googled it up as well. But. They're little balls, man. You just okay, like yeah, flick them. I, I, I downloaded this at one point, didn't play it, and uninstalled it. I can't remember why. Fair enough. Uh, so my question, what games have gotten music and or gameplay stuck in your head like this? Metal yeah. Gear Solid 2's main theme was like the theme song for like grade 10 or 11 or whenever the fuck <laughs> that came out. Metal Gear Solid has great soundtrack. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, yeah, I've definitely had Snake Eater stuck in my head Snake once. Snake Eater, yes. <laughs> um, like what gets in... The, I've said this before, The Legend of Zelda just like main theme every now and then will just pop in my head randomly. <laughs> So that has had a huge impact on me. What about you, Alan? Feel free to chime in. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, uh, now that you mentioned Legend of Zelda, it was funny. Uh, Ocarina of Time was right in my most formative years. I was in high school when that one was out. And uh, I remember when a co-worker, one of the Ocarina tunes, I can't remember even which one it was, but they had that as their ringtone, and it, it was just like do 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 do, and then as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, I was just about to yeah. say." So, I was just like, <laughs> you know, I just I had to do the three notes, and you're like, oh, "I know that one, I know that one." So yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I think Ocarina of Time. I think it didn't hurt that you had to learn to play them as well to just help the reinforcement. But I'm actually pretty old old school for one set i get randomly stuck in my head uh i ride a motorbike i love riding on a motorbike and you just kind of have your thoughts to yourself and while i'm you know driving especially in like the mountains or something i actually gravitate back to like old like super nintendo uh top gear was a great game that had a really cool techno-y type soundtrack as you were driving but the big one is probably actually Mega Man. i love dr wiley theme music and metal man theme yeah music. and i would just be driving and i'd be like yeah so those ones Really good. Have you heard the OC remix of that song specifically? There's so many good ones. I've heard a few of them, yeah. And it's funny because someone's like, hey, check this out. And I'd be like listening for a little bit. And then after a bit, I'm just like, holy shit, this is is Dr. Wiley, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. And they're like excited because I recognize it. Yeah, no, I I think it's very iconic. 
Ace Attorney gets stuck in my head often because it's my ringtone. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it's almost cheating. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I like that song enough to make it my ringtone, so there you go. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Uh, there, there was. I remember seeing an interesting video by the Extra Credits guys, and they were talking about like the music of the old days compared because Halo was another one that would I would get stuck in my head, and it was funny because I didn't even play Halo at release because I'm more of a PC gamer, but it was I still followed it ad, uh, avidly during, uh, pre-release before it became an Xbox exclusive. So that kind of orchestral score theme that they had of like the choir going and then kicking into like the you know the drums and the the meteor bass and stuff like that. That was one of the ones. And, but uh, yeah, music, we have so much more capability with music today that compared to the old, like the Mega Man, you, they needed, you know, they had eight notes that they could use and they couldn't do anything more than that. So they were very dependent on doing, you know, c- catchy melodies. That's the only thing that they really had. And our, I've heard our brains are just really good at remembering those. So yeah, mine are definitely a lot of, you know, Super Mario Brothers and, and stuff like that there. Yeah, you know, for sure. How, how easy to remember. For sure. Theodore writes, uh, he, I've started playing the first Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, and it's surprised me to remember how many memories and feelings I have attached to this game. My question is, are there any games that hold a surprising amount of nostalgia for Resident you? Resident Evil. <laughs> Only you, the master of unlocking, would have such memories. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> That game is memorable for just how bad the voice acting was. And if they were to do it with a new version that was better voice acting, it would be a worse game for it. It is such a part of, I think, the game where it's like, look out, Jill. And you're just like, this is so bad. Even at the time, you're like, this is so terrible. I love it. It's so fucking good. Prop of the rapper. A lot of nostalgia for that game. Too much. Cause I, I, don't, I don't go back to games too often, but I will say because they're just all so similar like the Pokemon games. Yeah. Like when a new one comes out and I pick it up, it's like, man, I'm just a kid again. It's like, yeah, I'm going to get them all. Here we go. Do my usual Pokemon thing. Mega Man. Yeah. Mega Man. Okay. There's a great Penny Arcade cartoon where it's just like, hat, like Mega Man 3 came out or whatever. It just shows like a young, like Gabe playing it, like all excited. Then Mega Man 10 comes out. It just shows him like sitting there as an adult, and then the next frame is him as a kid again. The minute he starts it up, I think like, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. perfect. It's that's exactly how it is when you go back to that old style of Mega Man again, and you're just like, yeah, here we go. Yeah, I had those, another. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, those ones are the ones for me. Uh, I think just because that was when I was kind of getting hooked into gaming finally for for good was the old NES days. Mm-hmm. So that one, and then also uh, Double Dragons and and those types of beat 'em ups were games that I loved growing up. And uh, a coworker one day brought in their old original Nintendo, and they were a collector, and they had all sorts of games. And I got right to Mike Tyson again on my first try. It had been like twenty years on Mike yep. Tyson's Punch Out. I haven't played that game in so long, but I still remember that muscle memory. All of the, all the, exactly. It's exactly what it is. And I'm just like, okay, I think this guy, he does it. Yeah, okay, dodge, 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 do this, do this. And people are watching me like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, my fingers are doing things on, on their own. And I just remembered. Tyson, I needed to practice up for because he's just yes. such specific timing because he's a cheap ass. But, but yeah, eventually that I did frame need perfect it. dodging. Fuck that fucking yeah, game, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those ones do it for me for the, the nostalgia effect for sure. Yeah, I got another two. When Rare Replay came out, getting oh. to play some of those games again was was real nice. Um, and then one uh, slightly different scenario in a smaller scale, though. Uh, so last week, um, Mad Cats w- had this discount code 
for it was like 25% off anything on their site. Okay. And it wasn't supposed to be for pre-orders, but it worked. So I was like, now's the time to get Rock Band 4. Oh, wow. Um, so I did that. And then, you know, halfway through the week, they canceled all those orders that everyone had done. <laughs> um, but regardless, just the idea of like getting to play Rock Band again, I was like, man, like it's real. I'm so excited to play some more Rock Band again. It's been like, it's been years since I played Rock Band. And I was, I was so stoked, but, and you know, I'm still going to pick it up, but just like making yeah. the purchase, it was like made it real again. And I was like, oh, it's going to be so good. I'm going to have all my friends over and we're just going to be jamming out. Yeah. I love the first, I played them so much that I got burnt out on them just because of how much you're playing them. But yeah, I'm a big, especially once they unlocked the Foo Fighters pack, Foo Fighters is my favorite band and Everlong is my favorite song. And I'm like, I must master this on expert simply because it is such an amazing song and hours turn into days, turn into weeks. I played a lot of rock band. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I have a Twitter question for you, Alan here. What's the stress level of you slash the team around the time of release concerning bugs that you can get to? Uh, I got, I've gotten better at it. I think, uh, there's always things that you either aren't able to isolate down. There are things that you just didn't even realize that the, kind of anecdote i like to share because you know we will have you know 30 on-site qa that are you know hammering on the game eight hours a day and if we sell a game and let's say in the first day it is amazing success and we sell a million copies and everybody plays the game for one hour they've spent like you know 12 years of work you know time in the game you know for our so there's always going to be things that get missed it sucks i do hate it i do take it personally i don't beat myself up over it but i i, I guess also, also depends on the type of bug some bugs are funny skyrim i think was a good example of, and you know you get physics bugs where a giant smashes a creature and you know the creature goes yeah. flying four hundred thousand feet in the air yeah yes it's technically a bug but i laugh my ass off when i see that so you learn to pick sure. your battles and stuff like that and you're like this is a bug and you know we have a what's called triage which is basically you know going what are bugs that need to get fixed what are bugs that are we're okay shipping with because you know maybe they're funny and we just you know you have to pick and choose your battles for which ones you want to uh anything that kind of blocks the critical path or you know blocks story because people play our games for stories so it can get stressful uh you you learn it can also be somewhat you know, camaraderie building, you're working late and, you know, I share an office on Dragon Age Inquisition with about four or five other people and you almost get kind of loopy. I remember at one point we were playing, uh, it was right before finaling. So like, we're like submitting to like Sony saying, you know, is this is our candidate for the game. You, you guys can do your tests and make sure and that you're okay with us releasing this. And so we do that for both uh, Microsoft and Sony. And we we had just did put in a resubmission based on their feedback. So it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And as we're playing through Inquisition, suddenly I got the idea that I should start quoting Cassandra's lines using Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Oh, no. And then suddenly Liliana became Batman and stuff like that. Oh, so <laughs> as we're playing, we're just reading along. And, yeah, you do odd things to sort of ironically keep your sanity, even though to an outside observer, we've totally gone off our rockers. But... Uh, it is, I mean, they don't want us to get work to the bone and they do try to, to balance out that sort of stuff. But yeah, things, things do get missed. Things are, you know, you get that thing that happened to one person one time and it was like, was I just seeing things or did that actually happen? But then you get a million people playing it and suddenly it happens to, you know, a hundred people, which isn't a lot, but it still sucks to those hundred people 
those hundred people if they're you know not able to enjoy their game because they're running into serious issues. So it, it does get stressful. Sure. Post launch, it's probably a little bit more stressful because that's when you're you know you're actually out in the wild and people are going, here's an issue and ugh, this is frustrating and you know I, I really want to play your game, I really want to enjoy it and I can't and it's frantic because you're trying to you know deal with okay what what exactly were you doing. You know, on PC, it can be handy because be like, okay, if you can put yourself right before this happens and like send me your save game, then maybe we can do it like that. Because the issue with finding bugs is all about can you reproduce them? Because if you can never reproduce them, and that's the challenge, especially with PC, is because you're using all these unique forms of hardware and stuff like that. It could be that perfect storm of I have this with this driver version with that, so you're parsing through. DirectX dialogues and and all of that stuff, and you're just like, can we figure out what might possibly be doing this? And so it it does get stressful because I, I do take it you know pride in my work, and I I know what it's like to play a game that has bugs, so I, I don't want there to be, but I, I've gotten better at not weeping, breaking down. Because Dragon Age Origins, I remember, I some guy was so mad at us, he was basically told wish that he, he had told me that I should have been like aborted as a fetus or something like that because it meant that we would have had competent QA. And I was like, well thank you. I feel wonderful now. So I've gotten I, comments like that from saying that I liked the ending of Mass Effect three. So like oh people goodness. people on the internet are just vile pieces of garbage sometimes. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. But yeah, I'm just like especially because for Dragon Age Georges, I mean you know, I've been not been with Bioware for like six months or something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, I made a game. I'm like I see my credits I'm all excited and then it's just like this person's like blah and i was just like i am i am the worst person in the world and i oh my god and i, I remember just after I, I was helping out just you know doing uh like forum scouring for issues and after a couple of weeks i was like i need to take a break and my my lead was like okie dokie sounds good thank you for your time and in, in the trenches so to speak so right lots of lots of war stories Okay, here's from uh, here's an email from Elijah. I think it's Elijah. Uh, will any of you be getting the special Skylander, Bowser, and DK Amiibos? <laughs> no, I won't. But probably not. I'll get yeah. You know what? If I find it in a store when I'm just shopping one day, maybe. But like, I'm not gonna look for them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just don't buy Amiibo. They're not that cool. Amiibos. The, the Skylander ones that they showed the bowser and dk ones i don't think they're that cool looking john so. will get them because he's he buys them all because he's insane yeah um but nope nope how into amiibos are you alan i am not so yeah. I'm, I'm not a collector type really and i think on some level that's a blessing because yeah i, I hear about the like amiibo craze and i have co-workers and friends who are huge you know i'll be on twitter and like oh my god i just got like the super rare one and i'm just like part of me is like I'm glad that, uh, you know, I have my passions and things that I'm, you know, absolutely must have. A lot of it's games and games have become digital, so it's not really hard to find yeah. games anymore, which I love about that. So I remember Nice Hill Republic was, you know, I pre-ordered that game. And as soon as I was in university at the time, as soon as my classes were over, I was running to that CompuSmart because I was like, I need to make sure that, you know, they didn't fuck up and accidentally give my coffee away to the wrong person or something like that. So, so yeah, I think... I'm I'm kind of grateful. You, everyone else can enjoy their amiibos. They don't have to worry about competing with me because I sure. think that I'm the type of person who I would probably be dangerous if I wasn't in. I like them if they're available. I won't go seek them out though. <laughs> like I won't wait for. That's not true. Didn't you like? Didn't you like eBay like a collection of them or something? No, you monster. I didn't. But you okay, almost did. Back. No, 
I didn't. You did. You totally did something. You were looking into it or something. I know this. No, this was Kijiji, which is basically okay. like Craigslist. Yep. Okay, so same it's thing. Completely different. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just like, nah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Henry, mm-hmm. uh, if you were to be, uh, he has Fultoned, but then it's crossed out willfully accepting of your new job. Uh, at Big Boss's mother base, what role would you fit most? The Fulton is the balloon that brings yeah. people to the base. Yeah. I haven't played it, so I don't... What are the job? What, I'm going to say was... Alan would probably be research and development. That just makes <laughs> oh, sense to me. <laughs> can you just assign guys, like, anywhere? like, Or do they do yeah. something specific? No, you okay. can assign them anywhere, and they have, like, different grades on how good their thing will be. So you can fill your medical bay with everybody that is shitty at medical stuff if you want. Okay. But there's no reason to. Is there, like, crappy jobs? Like, you're going to be the janitor. Uh, I mean, there probably is realistically, but no, not in the game. You don't <laughs> manage. You don't manage that. Okay. I'd probably be in like Intel. I'm guessing just sitting on a like on a radio all day, listening to people like give me information about what's going on. Yeah. Again, I haven't played the game, so I have no idea. You- I need to have yeah, a better idea. I mean, research and tech is you know I do dig that sort of stuff, but I need to have a better idea. I need to play the game still, and it's getting a lot of buzz, but. What are all the jobs, I guess, off the top of your head? Put you on the spot. Okay, there's research and development, obviously. There's, uh, like, medicine, medical bay. There is, like, the, your basic army, like, combat. There are, uh, the one I just said I would be in, Intel. <laughs> Intel. <laughs> I'm forgetting everything here. Uh, it's not very good Intel. Is no. there one that gets to just play with the dog? I want that one. Dog keeper. There's yeah. there's transportation. Honestly, because of my real life job, I would probably be in transportation now that I think about it in logistics. God damn it. Um I'm trying to remember what the other there's like two or three more. And I can't remember what they are right now. I'm gonna pick that one. Dog keeper is your new position. Yeah, I get to play with D Dog. fair enough all right i'll give it to you um yeah i think that was the last uh the last email last question i have a question from glenn stavos in the chat okay are there any non for alan are there any non-bioware rpgs that impress you uh most recent one i have not yet had a chance to play it and it is not an indictment on the game it is an indictment on me being kind of burnt out from fantasy because i've been working on dragon age uh the witcher 3 sounds really 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 interesting i do want to pick it up it's probably useful for me to just see what it's like but uh that one uh in terms of other games that i've played that i've really enjoyed lately as well uh, i love i'm actually a huge obsidian fanboy i love pillars of eternity this is so good yeah yeah and it scratches that old school isometric itch as well i really like their writing I respect their uh, Josh Sawyer uh, their, was their lead designer, and I think he has got good insights on game design and stuff like that. So, yeah, that would probably I could probably gush for hours and hours on on Obsidian games. Fallout New Vegas was I, probably the the game on my Steam that isn't a strategy game that has the most hours in it, and that is a, a game that I lost myself in for sure. So you're excited for Fallout Four, you can say. I am. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm pleasantly peaked and. 
on what you know especially with all the customization stuff that was coming down for that one because i was like sweet i can like set up my own camp and shit in the wasteland uh, okay well i'm gonna have to book off some holiday cool yeah all right. Uh, I think that's an episode that's for it. this week. So again, uh, next week, people want to send in questions. Again, uh, topdownperspective at gmail.com or Twitter at TDP Podcast or the Facebook group and all the other places. Um, games of the week. All right, Alan, out of all the games you played this week, what's what's the, what's the your favorite? I have to go with uh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Paul? Shadowrun Hong Kong. Uh, Hatsune Miku Project Mirai <laughs> DX. Are you serious? I actually am. Okay. Only you would say that. You're the only person who's ever said that. Um, I'm going to give it to Super Mario Maker. Alan, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yes. Thanks for the invite. It was fun to just chat games. If people wanted to chat games with you online, how could they do so? You can find me on Twitter with at Alan Shoemaker. That's at the anglicized pronunciation.com. Or not .com. Just at Alan Shoemaker. So. You'll tweet me out. They can find me through you probably. So, Cool. Yes. And thank uh, you, everybody, for listening as well. We're not forgetting yeah. about you. <laughs> we'll be back next week. I don't know what John's scenario is. Hopefully he'll be back next week. We'll find and out a few days before, I'm sure. <laughs> but thanks, everybody, for listening in. See you later. Bye. Have a good night.